It has been said that the book of Revelation is like the train station of the Bible. One cannot truly understand the events happening in Revelation unless they know the rest of the Bible, Old Testament and New. One of the really cool things about Revelation is that only the last two chapters of the book are new to us. The rest of Revelation is all stuff you can find from the Old Testament. Hey everybody. Hi there. My name's Emily. I'm Larry. And this is Planet and God. Um, our goal here is to take you systematically through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And today we're starting a brand new series in a book of the Bible, what are we doing? We are gonna go through the book of Revelation, which is my favorite book. Excellent, I love the book of Revelation. And so why? Why are we doing Revelation now? Um, well, I think uh, because it's a book in the Bible. Obviously. Um, and it kind of just ties everything all together yeah. with the other books of the Bible because um, knowing the Old and New Testament um, really helps you understand um, the bits of Revelation. Yes. Uh, it, it was an interesting fact about Revelation is that there's only two chapters of it that contains new revelation, new revealing, new information. Everything else is in the Old Testament. Right, you can you can trace back and find everything that is in the book of Revelation. Um, so our goal with this study, just so you all are aware, is we're not going to go um, through the theology of eschatology or the theology of the end times as a whole. Our focus is on the book of Revelation and going through that book well, um, as we need to deviate and pull in things for additional content. We will. Um, those will be bonus episodes, if you will, uh, for us. But for the most part, we're going to stick to the book of Revelation and go through that. One of the reasons um, being is that a lot of people are doing what I used to do in high school. When in high school literature classes, I would, you know, they'd give us a book and I'd slack and read the first chapter, maybe a middle chapter and the end chapter. And then I'd, okay, I've got enough details I can write a report on. And I'd skate through with C's and D's on that. You know, if needed, I'd go out and buy the cliff notes. It's, yeah. It's terrible. It is. But that's how I skated through. And a lot of people are doing that with the Bible. They'll pick up the Bible and they'll think, hey, this is a book. Right? But And they'll, they'll treat it like a book, like I did in high school. They'll read the first chapter, Genesis, right? They'll read something in the middle, so they get creation in Genesis. They'll read, you know, one of the Gospels or some of the Gospels. They go, okay, I got Jesus down. And then they'll go to the end, Revelation, and they'll do a newspaper analysis of, of Revelation. And go, yeah, I got the end, and now I'm a scholar and I know what I'm talking about. Well, no, you kind of need to know a lot more than just that. Um, so we want to go systematically through it, help people to understand it that are maybe in that position where they've read Genesis, they've read 
a gospel and now they're reading Revelation. Um, and to help you kind of understand it a little bit. And help us understand it a little more. Exactly. Because <laughs> anytime you read any parts of the Bible, I think God is opening up your mind to yeah. more and more every time you read it. Right. So. Agreed. And yeah, and we just need to remember that the Bible, while it's printed as one book, it really is a library of books. It's 66 books all rolled up into one complete volume. So, without further ado, let's dive in to um, our topic today. What are we talking about? So, today we're going to go over the W's of the book of Revelation, which are the who, what, where, when, and why yep. of the book. Um, and so, the very first one is we're going to talk about who wrote the book. So, who wrote the book? <laughs> well, the book, uh, the author identifies himself four times in the book of Revelation as John the Apostle. So he identifies himself in verse 1, uh, verse 4, verse 9. That's all in chapter 1, by the way. And then he identifies himself again in chapter 22, verse 8, um, as John. Yes. I have some fun facts about Ooh, fun John. Facts. Um, he was one of the three that was at the Transfiguration, which yep. I think is so cool. Um, and that's seen in Matthew 17, 1 through 13. And then um, he wrote five books really? in the New Testament. First, second, third, John. That's three. Revelation. That's four. And the Gospel of John. That's five. Yay, we can count. Um, he was a Galilean fisherman. Mm-hmm. And he was born in Bethsaida. Yep. And then he was born, his father was uh, Zebedee and mother Zebedee. was Salome. So, fun fact about Salome, um, I'm going to throw it up here. What you're seeing should be the um, family tree of Jesus. And you'll notice Salome and Zebedee. Salome is the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, making Zebedee and Salome Jesus' aunt and uncle. And the uh, John, the apostle, and his brother James, cousins. I also thought it was really interesting that he is noted as the, uh, um, the disciple whom the Lord loves. Yeah. And that's referenced a lot in um, the Gospel of John. Right, because in the Gospel of John, he doesn't actually identify himself like he does in Revelation. So he doesn't actually say his name in the gospel, but um, that's how he says his name is the yeah. one whom Jesus loved. Um, and he was also tasked with taking care of Mary. Yep. Um, and that's John 19, 26 through 27. So which explains the whole relational thing, right? Them being right. cousins. So I thought that was a neat fun fact. And that's all the fun facts I really have. Excellent. So then, who is the book written to? So, for sure, the seven churches. Yep. You have the seven churches in Asia that's uh, seen in a number of verses, uh, specifically chapter 1, verse 4, 11, chapter 2, verse 1, and chapter 22, verse 6. But there's two other people that the book is addressed to. Yes, believers. All believers, yep. All servants, that's uh, chapter 1, verse 1, 
and 22 verse 6 mentions that. And there's a third group. Um, unbelievers. Yes, all persons, yeah. saved and unsaved, need to read this book. Right, all people. All people. So this is a book for everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are at in your walk with the Lord. Um, now's a great time to pick it up and read it because there is a message for you in Revelation. Right, or even if you haven't started your walk. Exactly. Because it can happen through Revelation. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so then we go into the what is the book about? Yes. So, what is the book about? Sunday school answer. Jesus. <laughs> right? The book is um, about, it is the um, revealing, the revelation, look at the title, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation to Jesus Christ, it's of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the central focus of the book. This is for him, by him, because of him, and pointing to him alone. Um, that kind of goes back to, uh, you think about the re revelation of Jesus Christ. What is the Greek word for revelation? Uh, apocalypse. Yes, apocalypse. So when we think of apocalypse, a lot of us think of the zombie apocalypse, right? The end of the world, wars. Yeah, uh, it has a bad, like our culture has given it a, like a bad yes. kind of essence to it. Yes, but in all honesty, revealing or revelation, apocalypse is I'm going to show you something, right? Jesus Christ is going to show us, yes, what happens at the end, right? This is a revealing of what's going to happen at the end. And that's kind of where we get this bad connotation to it because apocalypse is associated with the end. But you could go and take, you know, the Gospel of John. It could be the apocalypse of John, right? Because John is revealing Jesus Christ in that book. It has nothing to do with the end. I mean, there's bits and pieces that, of it that have it, but right. not as a whole. So we need to kind of get that out of our heads a little bit, that apocalypse is not always the end. It's the revealing of something. Yeah. So where is John at when he's writing this? So he is on an island called Patmos, and that's Revelation 1-9 that yep. says that. Um, so... There's other non-biblical books that also confirm that his he was exiled right. to the island of Patmos. Too. Why was he exiled there? Uh, well, he was talking about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was exiled for the testimony um, of Jesus Christ. Yep. So I yeah. think that's really the short answer there. And then we go into the when was the book written. Right. So when was it written? I have around A.D. 96, but I know you have a little bit more. I do, because the dates, so dates of the books of the Bible is are always contested um, theologically. Uh, specifically this book, because depending on what date you fall on, will maybe kind of lean towards how you interpret the book, or how you, uh, you know, look at it and read the book. So... We know for sure, according to Revelation 1-9, that it was during a time of great Christian persecution. I want to read that verse just so that we have it level set. He says, 
I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So he is exiled. He is under persecution. And then we see further persecution um, throughout the seven letters in chapters 2 and 3. So it's a great time of persecution. So we need to look at the church history and go, okay, when were times of persecution? There's two main time frames to, to look at, and that's why there's two sometimes dates given. You have the early date for Revelation, which puts it between um, Emperor Nero's reign, that's 58 to 68 AD. And the people that favor this, um, they will try to allegorize a lot of the scripture because they want Nero to be the Antichrist. They want Nero to fulfill that role and that all of the um, events that happen in tribulation get fulfilled within the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. However, the Bible doesn't support that. When you look at the biblical text, the gospels, the teachings of Jesus Christ, right? There is prophecies for the destruction of AD 70 and prophecies for the tribulation, two separate entities. Um, so that's not really accurate from what I understand. Um, a more accurate is like what you found a late nineties date, um, that puts it during the reign of Emperor Domitian, who was 81 to 96 AD. And so Emperor Domitian, if you think Nero was bad from a Christian persecution perspective, perspective, Domitian was worse than that. So that's a huge clue. Another huge clue for the later date is the decline in the church's spirituality. So if you were to put the church at an early stage, right, we have history that backs the early history of the church as on fire for God. The gospel is spreading, people are coming to Christ, right? But when you read chapters 2 and 3, there's a significant decline in the church spiritually. Jesus is chastising the church for how spiritually they've fallen. So you wouldn't have that so early on in, in the church history. That Those two things really support the later date. Um, I think for me, too, looking at the dates, uh, I mean, either whether it was written in an earlier time or a later time, it still would make sense to me. Yeah. Um, it, it still could. Uh, the only thing, if you wanted to subscribe to that earlier date, you just you can't allegorize it, right? right. Um, we've posted a, our previous video on how to interpret biblical prophecy. You take it literally, historically, grammatically, hermeneutically, right? And when you look at the Bible in its context, you can't come up with an allegorized view, right? Right? That you can't take the Bible and make it say yellow dump truck. It just doesn't work. Um, so that that kind of favors that. Um, I want to throw up here for a moment a quote from the Lexingham Bible Dictionary. I think this is a good one uh, that kind of goes through and describes uh, what the church historian Eusebius says about the rule of Domitian.
And then one last quote that I want to make mention of. This is from Paul Beanwire in his survey of the New Testament. He writes, The church father Irenaeus said that John received the truths of Revelation toward the end of Domitian's rule. Domitian died in AD 96, so the aid date of AD 95 is commonly given. So that's, you know, you have church father, early church fathers, Eusebius and Irenaeus supporting that late 90s date. Um, and only one challenge to it, if you look at all the church fathers. Um, this comes from the early church father, Papias. And Papias, he's the only challenger to this late date. He's the only one that says that John was martyred before AD 70. So that's not backed up by Eusebius or Irenaeus, and even Clement of Alexandria refutes that as well. So you've got three main church fathers refuting the one. So it's kind of that, uh, who are you going to pick, the greater or the lesser type. So then that leads us into the why. Why? Why is this book, book written? written? Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> um, so I came to realize it's to reveal Jesus Christ, obviously, yep. to show his judgment over sin, and to give encouragement and hope for the new Jerusalem, yeah. the new heaven, and the new earth. Yep. I mean, to put it simply, it's to reveal the places that are going to come before, during, and after the second coming of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. um, what's really fascinating about this book and, and fits into this is that this book gives us its own outline. It's, I think, the only book in the Bible that actually outlines itself. Um, I want to read this. Revelation one nineteen says, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Really, that sounds like a Lord of the Rings, like if the prequel to Lord of the Rings opens up. Right? Uh, write the things right, which you have seen, thing, right, which and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Um, that gives you the outline. Okay. Uh, <laughs> chapter 1, John is writing the things he has seen. Chapters two and three, three, he's writing the things that are. He's speaking to seven literal churches during his day and age. And then chapters four through 22 are the things which will take place after this. Um, and so the bulk of this book is prophecy, future prophecy. And so that's how we to understand it. So do we have any additional thoughts? I have a few, do you? I have a very small few. All right, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Um, just that there were or are about um, 350 direct quotes or clear allusions from the Old Testament found in Revelation, which I think is interesting. So to piggyback on that, um, I found in two other sources, um, both from Todd Hampson and Arnold Fruchtenbaum, that there could be more. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so Arnold Fruchtenbaum gives 500. He's, he puts 500 references or allusions to the Old Testament. Todd Hampson goes up to 800. That's really fascinating. Yes, so these are guys that have spent a lot more time than we have studying it, and they've found a lot more allusions or references to the Old Testament than... Yeah, so between four and 800. I know that's a wide gap, but that's still a lot. And goes back to our point at the beginning, you need to know the rest of the Bible to really know yeah. Revelation. Yep, I think it's amazing, really. Um, 
that also comes from Paul Benware. Yeah. Also, just because you quoted so he, it too. So. Yeah. You got Paul <laughs> Fruchtenbaum and Todd Hampson. Yeah. So, and then um, just to, again, piggyback off that, it's just so understanding the Old Testament. It's so essential to reading yep. Revelation. Um, and don't get me wrong. I could learn so much more. Like. Yep. I hope we do learn so much more throughout this study that we do. Yeah. Um, but just knowing that Old Testament and going back to some of those things can be really interesting. Yeah, it helps you to really understand because John's going to do things and describe things from his perspective, first century Jewish perspective mindset. So when he describes something, it's not going to be accurate to what we are going to see today but he's going to do his best to describe it in the way that he understands it. Well, I even think that some of those things he's describing, we would have a tough time describing. Probably. Because yeah. I think some of those things are just things we might not know either. Right. You know, um, it's set aside for just that time. Yeah. So, but any other thoughts? Um, one last one. I want to finish up with a quote from Todd Hampson. In his book, The Nonprofit's Guide to Revelation, he says this, There's a very thin veil between our world and the unseen spiritual world. This veil will soon come crashing in. Our faith will soon become sight, and we will behold Jesus Christ in his glory. So this is just something to keep in mind when we are diving into Revelation here, is that this book is going to describe the split of that veil how the unseen world is going to come crashing into our world during this seven-year time period, the seven-year tribulation. And it's going to be crazy, for lack of a better word. Um, the whole breadth of scripture is going to come to a head. and We're going to have the end of the world as we know it. And like we said earlier, this book was written for everyone. So no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, you can pick something up. What's amazing learn. though is it is the end, but it's also the beginning of something new. Yes, it so is. So I think that's really gonna be great. Yep. So, all right. Well, we cool. look forward to starting this um, study with you guys. Yep. And we'll see you in the next one. All right, bye.